In Romans chapter 5, Paul lays out the state of the universe at a time when sin and unrighteousness ruled. And it ruled with authority because Adam and Eve opened the door to destruction and to death in the universe through their disobedience and rebellion against God. But thanks be to God, Jesus came, the incarnate Son of the Father. In him dwelled all of God's fullness, and God in Christ made it right again. He placed grace as the authority of the universe rather than judgment. He enabled righteousness for us when all we had known was unrighteousness. He made life possible when death was our sentence. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Grace. Today, there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new sheriff in town. You ever heard that phrase, Brother Billy? There's a new sheriff in town? What's the difference that you know between a bandit and a sheriff? They both have a gun. They both might have a certain type of uniform. What's the difference between a bandit and a sheriff? They both have power. They both can offer a, a change or a threat to how your day is going. If you've ever seen blue lights and thought, well, here they come. We're going to have a two-car civic parade, 30 miles an hour. Slow down. Both a sheriff and a bandit can interrupt your day. But there's a difference between a sheriff and a robber, Brother Mullins, because one of them has authority. One of them exercises or is blessed or privileged with legitimacy if they enact it appropriately. One of them has a legal right to bear arms, and one of them has the rule of law behind them. That's the difference between a sheriff and a bandit. Any, any, anybody who grabs a nine millimeter off the shelf can have power. But a sheriff has authority. And there's a difference in power and authority. Any, any, any fool with a gun may feel strong. But a sheriff has the legal right and a sacred obligation to protect and to serve. You'll see that on the side of some of the cars of our law enforcement officials. I want that in mind today. With that in mind, I want to begin in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Now, there are 21 verses. You can do the math. If we spend a whole lot of time with each verse, we're going to reach hungry before we reach amen. So we're going to go fast today. So I need you to really get your listening ears in gear. Everybody ready to listen fast? And we're going to learn what God has to say for us today. Paul said in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and so we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul is saying to the church today, and that's 
who you are. He's saying that we have justification. This is a term that I want to explain. Justification changes our legal standing with God. Willie, when we are justified, it is because we've had faith in God. Brother Ray, and we repent and we say, I'm sorry, I don't want to do those sins anymore, God. I've struggled with this weakness. I, I've struggled with temper. I have struggled with temptation. I have struggled with, with gossip, or I've struggled with this weakness or that weakness. And we say, God, I want to change. The Bible says that we are justified by faith in Christ. And what that means, Ryland, is instantaneously when we repent, that God counts it as if we were as righteous as the sinless Lord himself. Immediately, our legal standing changes before God. You may not feel all that different. You may not uh, even think that you're all that different. But Mary, when you repent of your sins, those sins are rolled away, not through your works or not through your understanding, but because God has done a work in Jesus Christ. This differs from the concept of sanctification, which is God does justifying in a moment, but he does sanctifying in a lifetime. What that means is that we're changed before God legally, immediately. We're no longer prisoners to sin. But in sanctifying, he uses his spirit to mold us and to shape us more and more and more and more into who God wants us to be. Mary, how long do you think you've been walking with God? A while. I was going to offer a calculator. It's been some years. It's been more than a year, hasn't it? It's been a little while. Has it been more than a decade? It has. And do you find that God is helping you to become even more like him now than when you first started? Serving God many years. Brother Roy, how many years have you been walking with God? Since 1972. I think that's 51 years, if I did my quick napkin math right. Brother Roy, is God still showing you things that you need to improve on? Immediately when you repented, you were justified. But sanctification is a lifelong process. I want to comfort somebody today with the words from the Holy Bible that say, when you are walking in Christ, you are justified in the Spirit, and God doesn't count your sin against you anymore. Paul said because of that, we can have peace with God. We don't have to be at war with God anymore because of our sin. We don't have to feel guilty before the Lord anymore because of our sin. We have peace with God because God has provided that through his sacrifice in Christ. This would be a great time to praise the Lord and thank him that he has made us justified in him. He said because of that, verse 2, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have grace that we stand in. I want to talk a moment about grace. Many people confuse justification and sanctification. We just went over it. Justification is now. Sanctification is a lifetime. Justification does, it means I don't have to pay damnation as a, as a, as a product of my sin. Justification means I have a hope of heaven. But sanctification means God's working on me so I'll be ready to go. Right? In justification, I get a ticket, Brother Mark. But in sanctification, I get to know how to be seated in Christ. I learn. 
Now, grace is not just God doesn't count my sin against me. That's called mercy. What grace is, if you look in Titus chapter 2, grace is a teacher that gives you power to overcome sin. Paul said because we are justified, we get to stand in the grace of Christ. If you have ever, I want to give a strong word of encouragement today. If you have ever struggled with a weakness, maybe your weakness is fear and anxiety. Maybe your weakness is you always see the negative in life and you're always afraid of tomorrow and what will come. Maybe your weakness is it's difficult for you to forgive those that have harmed you or hurt you in the past. Maybe your weakness is that, that, that you are prideful in your heart and it's hard for you to submit to the will of God. Maybe your weakness is, a, is something of the of a temptation or, or, or anger or something. Whatever it is, can I tell you today that the grace of God is greater than your weakness. And in fact, Paul told us that grace is made powerful in weakness. And the grace of God is like a heat-seeking missile that knows where to find the problems in your life and the challenges in your life and the weak parts of your life. And he can give you power to stand. There's not a Christian under the sound of my voice today whose faith is so weak that God's grace can't reach you and give you power to overcome. You know what I'm talking about. It gives you power to overcome the enemy. I don't have to fight the enemy on my own. I have the might of the power of grace behind me because there's a new sheriff in town and I know what his name is. There's a new sheriff in town and his rule and his authority extends over my life. Verses 3 and 4 talk about suffering. I don't like to think about suffering too much, but it's in the Bible. The Bible says it will have some tribulation. If you've ever heard a preacher tell you, if you believe in Jesus, everything's going to be great. You're going to inherit all this money. You're going to have all this wealth. You'll never be sick in your life. Everything's going to work out. Everyone's going to love you. You're going to have a spouse who never has any wrinkles, and she's always going to have a great day and think you're the most handsome man that's ever lived. I don't know what that religion is, but it is not Christianity. If you look at the Bible, we still have challenges. We still have trials. We still have tribulations. I often wake up two cups of coffee away from average, much less wonderful. I'm telling you, sometimes life is just life. Sometimes there's a little more days in the month than, than the money is. You know, Sometimes there's, there's a little more things to do than the energy level is, and sometimes you got kids that cry, and they're wonderful on Instagram, but off Instagram sometimes they're off script. Just life happens sometimes. Paul said there's tribulations and trials. Everybody suffers. Would you say it with me? Everybody suffers. Sarah said it like she means it. She's got a little experience behind her belt. She said everybody suffers. And I don't mean that as a negative today. The difference with a Christian is not that we don't suffer. Remember, we're standing in grace, and we're looking forward to hope. From a posture of grace and a position toward hope, I can tell you with confidence today that everyone suffers, but not everyone benefits from their suffering. But every, listen to me, every Christian benefits even from the things that are negative in our lives because my Bible says all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are the call according to his purpose. Everything works together for good. First Peter in your Bible says that when your faith is tried, it's like gold being purified. James said when you go through trials and tribulations, it will perfect your faith. 
So Martin, even when things happen, the car breaks down. There's nobody at the restaurant. Something happened. Trials and tribulations. If we submit our lives to God, God sees that all things work together for our good. Aren't you glad that he's the manager of your life and not you? Aren't you glad the Lord knows his business and he knows how to take care of us? Amen. Verse 5. He said, look at, look at what, let's just back up to verse 4. Patience, tribulations produces patience. Patience produces character. Character produces hope. Character produces hope. Have you ever known some people that are kind of weeble-wobble people? Did y'all ever have those toys? Aaron, you're too young. Ray, you know what I'm talking about. A weeble-wobble, it had a weight on the bottom of it, and a round bottom, and you push it, and it just come right back up. And you push it down, it come right back up. They used to make those, and they have a like the Hulk on there, and you could, you could hit it. And no matter how many times you hit it, Martin, it pops right back up. Some people are like that because they're grounded by hope. They're grounded by grace, and they're impossible. They're impossible to keep down because they know who their God is, and they know what the Lord is doing in their life. Amen? Hope doesn't disappoint or make a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit He has given to us. Today is the day we celebrate the anniversary of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church. God has put the power of resurrection not only in the physical body of Jesus, but he has now placed that resurrection power through the infilling and baptism of the Spirit into the spiritual body of Christ. So those that have been baptized into one body through the baptism of the Spirit have been baptized in resurrection power. And just as we have a hope because we know the tomb is empty, we have a hope because we know that our grave one day will be empty and we will rise just as Christ has arisen. And we know that whatever is dead in our life can come back to life through the power of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? The Bible says that while we were weak in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, verse 6. It goes on to say, for a righteous person, rarely would one die. We recognize the valor of those today who, who died for their comrades in arms. We recognize on Memorial Day those who made ultimate sacrifices, and we rightly respect and honor those people because it's not ordinary to do that. But Paul said, Jesus died for those who were his enemies. You want to know who Jesus' enemy was, Ray? R-A-Y and C-L-A-Y. We, because of our sin, were enemies of Christ. We were not sons. We were enemies. We were not daughters. We were not friends. But God died for us while we were yet opposed to his rule, and he gave us his great grace. How many are thankful for the grace of God today? God demonstrated his love toward us, verse 8. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, verse 9, being now justified. See, Mary, you don't have to wait another moment to be justified. You never have to wait to be justified before the Lord. You don't have to wait because we are now justified. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what sin is in your past, whether you think it was small or whether you think it was great. The blood of Jesus Christ 
cleanses from all sin. 1 John chapter 1. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I'm so thankful today that I am now justified. I'm not waiting to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't have to wait that day. I've already read in the word of God that I am now justified. He has given me what I need to stand in peace before God. We're going to be saved through wrath through him. While we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Furthermore, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's an awesome word, reconciliation, because it goes beyond forgiveness. All right? Let me show you how this works. If you had a relationship and you harmed someone in that relationship and you were the guilty party, and then you went back to them and you said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say something hurtful to you. Let's just say I went up to Brother Roy and I said, I, I can't stand that tie you have on today. Now, I'm not going to say that. I happen to know his wife loved that tie, so I'm not going to say that, Brother Roy. But if I said, you need to get rid of that thing, that you get a new tie, that would be so insensitive. But if I really meant that and I really said it to Roy and it hurt his feelings and hurt him really badly, and he came up to me, a few weeks later, he said, Brother Jackson, that really bothered me. That, that hurt me when you said that. He might forgive me. He's commanded to do that. But if I kept on saying hurtful things, he's not required to reconcile to me. You understand what I'm saying? He doesn't have to say, hey, what do you think about this suit? <laughs> or, hey, what do you think about these shoes? Because if I continue to be hurtful, he has a right to say, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to forgive you behind this fence. Because you don't have access to my emotions anymore because you've proven that you continue to hurt me. That's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Look, Martin, at what God says in his word about you and about me. He not only forgives us, he reconciles with us. What God is saying is, I'm not just going to forgive you for your past sin. I'm going to let you back in the trust circle because I'm going to give you access to my relationship again because I have confidence in you now, because you've been justified before me, and I'm going to sanctify you and turn you into exactly who I want you to be. I'm so thankful that I'm not only forgiven. I don't have to worry about hell anymore. I'm thankful that the Christian life is more than a fire insurance policy. I now have access again to relationship with my Father, because I have been reconciled, because He not only forgives me, but He trusts me again. Aren't you thankful for the Lord? Therefore, these last 10 verses, Paul lays out the gospel. And he says it this way. Sin came through Adam, and it spread death throughout all the world. Now, how did one man's sin spread death to everybody? I'll tell you. Because through Adam and Eve, sin gained entry into the human race. And once the door was cracked, every one of us kicked it wide open. We all followed in their footsteps by doing wrong. The Bible says in Romans 3 and 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm looking at a bunch of sinners, but I'm also looking at a bunch of saints. And the solution to that paradox comes through the cross and what Jesus has done. Because Paul said death reigned through sin. What that means, Sister Sheila, that word reign, it means the base of power and authority 
of everything negative in the cosmos came because of the rule of sin. See, here's the problem, Brother Roy. When sin came to your life before the cross, it had authority in your life. Because if you were a human being before the cross, sin had the power, sin had the badge, and sin was the sheriff, Sister Candace. Because all of us have participated in sin. And without the shed blood of Jesus, the authority lay with the law. The authority lay with the rules that we had broken. And authority lay with sin. And so the one who came to steal and the one who came to kill and the one who came to destroy actually had a search warrant. He actually had a writ of goods that said, I have a right to take your life. I have a right to take your family. I have a right to take your body. I have a right to take your health because sin was the sheriff before Calvary. But what Paul said here in Romans 5 is just as sin and death reigned through the unrighteousness that Adam kicked open the door to the human race before Calvary. So now righteousness Joy and peace is reigning through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I have wonderful news for the church today. There's a new sheriff in town, and the badge that says the sheriff doesn't say sin anymore. Sin still has power, but sin is not an authority. Sin has moved from being the sheriff to being the bandit. And when the sheriff shows up, the sheriff is grace. Sin may have power in your life, but it doesn't have the authority to stay around. When you call, listen to me, when you call on the name of Jesus in your life, sin has to flee because grace is in power now. Righteousness is in power now. Peace is in power now. Life is in power now. And joy is in power now because my Jesus has arisen from the grave. It started in Him. This new authority. It was proven at the resurrection at Easter. And he showed that he was boss over the entire universe. From one end of it to the other. That empty tomb may as well have been a badge that said there's a new sheriff in town. Sin doesn't rule around this town anymore. Sin doesn't rule in my life. So if I have a negative thought about the past, Brother Roy, I have an unforgiving thought. If I have a temptation and I say something I shouldn't say, if I become angry and I lose my self-control for a moment, Brother Mark, if I have ought against somebody and I don't reflect Christ in the way that I should, then I will feel the power of sin and conviction comes on me and I think I shouldn't have done that. I wonder what the consequence is going to be, but I'm so thankful that when I throw up my hands or when I bow my head or when I bow my knee, it becomes very quickly obvious who the sheriff is in the universe now. Sin doesn't rule anymore. Righteousness rules now. After Calvary, grace rules. Would you stand with me today? Would you stand with me? There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new sheriff. And his name is Grace. What that means, Sarah, is this, part, this is so common it may seem comical. When you see blue lights in your life, it's the Lord convicting you and bringing you to righteousness. It's not judgment coming down on you because grace makes it possible for each of us to live in the righteousness and peace and joy that is the kingdom of God today. There's a new reign. There's a new rule. Remember what I said. A fool with a nine millimeter has power, but a sheriff has authority. Sin, Brother Roy, still has power. 
Sin still has power. It wrecks bodies. It wrecks relationships. It gives you sleepless nights. It can give you regrets. It can make you worry about wasted years. It can make you worry about tomorrow and what's going to come, Brother Willie. I know a way that takes care of the power of sin. Tell you what I do at my house. I heard some rustling around. I heard somebody beating on my door and I came and it wasn't Scott. It wasn't Tom with some tomatoes. It wasn't Martin bringing over some queso. Some dude out there in a ski mask. He's got a baseball bat in his hand. Trying to beat out the windows on my car. And he says, I'm going to huff and puff and I'm going to blow your family down. Tell you what I'd do. Get all my kids in the closet. Get my wife in the closet. I'd stand between danger and them. I'd do the best I could. But that little lady back there would have that phone out. She'd say, you do all you can do. And I got three digits. Nine, one, one. I'm fixing to call the sheriff. Can I tell you something? I feel the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Sin comes against your family. Sin comes against your children. Listen to me. Sin comes against your marriage. Sin comes against your future. Sin comes to remind you of your past. Sin comes to rob you of your future. You get all your counselors. You get everybody to give you the Hallmark cards and give you the bumper sticker wisdom. You get everybody to say, I I'm on your side and I like you and you're a nice person. You get everybody to hold hands with you. You, you fold your hands, close your eyes. You do the trust fall at work and you do everything you can to feel accepted and loved. You get yourself in the corner. You protect all you can. I got some advice for you. There's a sheriff in town that you can call and his name is Salvation. His name is Grace, and he's never late. He never abuses authority. And every time he shows up, everything is set to right before he is finished. Hear me. Everything is set to right before he is done and before he walks out of your life. When he is finished, everything is good. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's bow our heads. And let's call on his name right now in the name of Jesus. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our heads. Let's call on the name of Jesus. I call on the name of grace today. I call on the name of Jesus. I call on the name that is above every name today. I call on the name against the power of sin. I call on the name of Jesus against the power of fear. I call on the name of Jesus against anxiety. I call on the name of Jesus against the name of sickness. I call on the name of Jesus against the name of regret. And I call on the name of grace. The name of grace. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Let's call on Him right now in the name of Jesus. They're going to sing. They're going to lead us before the throne of the Lord. There's a new sheriff in town. His name is Jesus. And grace rules. The name of Jesus. Let's pray to Him right now in His name. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that when we call on the name of the very God of the universe. Even his name, Jesus, means salvation. Grace is ruling today. Grace is in authority. His power to overcome sin can indwell your life and enable you and ennoble you to be exactly who and what God has called you to be. Isn't that an amazing reality? 
to contemplate and to live in today, I urge you to take advantage of it. Call on grace. Call on the Lord. Call on this Savior. His name is Jesus. And you'll find that the new sheriff in town is a righteous judge who will enable you to be exactly who you were meant to be from the very beginning. God bless you, friend. And thank you for joining us at Arlington United. Thank you.